All right, and welcome to the Going Places podcast. Camden Corkeel. Daniel Price. And it's episode 34, you know, uh, mid-March, I guess you would say now. And we have a good episode planned for you today. Uh, we have a friend of ours coming on today as a special guest. He is the assistant town administrator for our hometown of Blacksburg. Uh, he also has a background in ministry. Uh, he has master's of theology from Liberty University. And uh, he's here with us today. Uh, Jeff Wilkins, thank you for being on with us. Yeah. Thank you guys thank you. for allowing me to come on. I appreciate it. And mm-hmm. been looking forward to it since Camden asked me. So, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. We're glad to have you. So, to people who may not understand, what exactly does your job look like? Okay. So, Blacksburg being a small town, um, you, I wear a variety of hats. So, anything from... Um, it could be human resources related. It could be um, especially finance director um, related, uh, zoning planning. Um, I go to those meetings. I'm the liaison from the city back to the zoning and planning committee. And I also function um, as, uh, you know, not only assistant town administrator, but as the town clerk. So record retention and making sure that act as a historian ultimately uh, for the town of Blacksburg whether that's in you know taking the minutes at the meetings and uh, trying to get those uh, interpreted correctly and make sure everything is um, intact as if someone needs to go back and look in time and say what was discussed at this this meeting then obviously it becomes uh, an opportunity for them to be able to go back and say oh well here was what was said specifically and that's very important to me to make sure the details are there, uh, so there's no ambiguity to it, um, but that is pretty concrete and factual. Um, from the administrative side, um, I help you know produce the budget um, and just help execute it. Um, and I oversee the water sewer side of things when it comes to the two ladies who work in the office. I'm the department head there, so um, and then I act as the administrator if the administrator is not present. Um, and you know, as far as uh, on vacation or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, just a, it's not like most towns uh, or municipalities um, where they may have a large enough staff to do many of these jobs. Like you might have a human resource personnel, you might have um, a finance officer, you, you could have um, anything really. Um, it's just really uh, this position where it's a lot of hats and a lot of opportunities are presented to me, which I'm thankful for because it's taught me a lot about local government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, being in that, when you talk about, like, and this is just yeah. some things that, I, that we should also have done, like, in most towns, well, it's kind of like the council would be the executive, I mean, the council would be the legislative body, the mayor would be the executive. Well, it doesn't really work like that here. Well, the mayor is kind of like, in the council rules, and the mayor kind of breaks the tie, if they'll need to speak. But how does, like, the administrative, as far well as, like, the actual governing, right. and are you involved in any of that at all? Right. Uh, yeah, so I, I help alongside that. So we are a council form of government. So um, the council um, in our town does, you know, enact ordinances or laws. Uh, so ultimately they are responsible um, from the legislative standpoint when it comes to that. Um, so we are not a, a mayor council form of government, meaning that the mayor is, you know, legislated by itself in any way or is he executing the budget, anything like that. That is kind of placed back on uh, the administrative team. Uh, so, what we do um, on the administrative side of things is we're just purely recommending based on our profession, 
um, and looking at revenues, expenditures, um, and then also it could be workforce related, whatever it may be, is we're making recommendations back to the council on what we think is the correct approach. Uh, and if you've been to a council meeting, we use a lot of data um, and we're data driven. We don't just throw out um, these you know, ideas or feelings of emotion of what we think we want is always data driven on this is what we feel is best in the town interest and here's the, the research that backs it up. And then it's ultimately up to council to make that decision if they want to proceed forward with our recommendation, if they want to modify our recommendation, or if they want to ultimately um, you know, not accept it. Right? Uh, and that's usually based on votes as you stated earlier. Did you see yourself going into local government in some um, way or the, any kind of <laughs> town hall? It, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do in life. So um, I'm, currently I'm 39. Um, and I always had an appreciation um, for cities and towns as I drove through them. Um, how that worked and functioned, I did not know um, for a long time. Uh, so I, I kind of took a path of thought I wanted to be a school teacher when I first came out of high school, um, was working in that direction. Uh, in my senior year in college, uh, my four-year degree there, I, I determined I didn't want to do that and finished with a history degree um, and also knew at that time I wanted to go into ministry, so followed right up with that to go in and get my a Master's of Arts in Theology uh, from Liberty, and then I went on to, um, um, to continue uh, to, you know, do church work, and I've always been a part in some form or fashion of being involved in ministry. Uh, and then with that, I decided I didn't want to be a paid staff member at a church, but the same part to do ministry at a local church. Uh, so to kind of vocationally be a part of the church and the church body and, and to be doing ministry, but at the same time have another uh, job. So I went back and got another four-year degree in uh, social work and uh, Became a licensed social worker, became and worked at the uh, in the healthcare system for eight years, and then during that times when I really kind of grew, grew fond of uh, local, state, federal government, and uh, especially local, and uh, and nonprofit administration too. So when I went back to Clemson for my master's in public administration, I wanted to um, focus on nonprofit and local government, which is what I did, and um, just begin to have appreciation for it and uh, you know the town of Blacksburg has been great gave me that opportunity to um, come on staff and and to be able to learn so much uh, and, and under Dalton I've, I've just learned even more because he was from the town of Mooresville in North Carolina and then Indian Trail and then he came here and had a you know much more extensive background than I did so he's taught me a lot um, yeah that's great yeah definitely and uh, you said you graduated from Liberty with a master's in theology? Yeah, a master's of arts in theological studies, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. and It's great that you kind of you wear many hats and kind of do everything. That's kind of, that's really awesome, yeah. So you said, yeah, you got that, and you also went back and got your master's from, where did you get your, you said Clemson? Yeah. You got it? From? Yes, uh, my master's in public administration. My master's in public administration came from Clemson. That's good. You've had your field show of education, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I <laughs> always joke with uh, people. You're calling a bliss? Trying to just right. Yeah, he's always been a role model. So, um, 
Um, no, I always like to tell people um, I know a little bit about a lot of things. That's so awesome. it's just yeah. a little bit though. So, That's but yeah, he, you know, Bruce was a he was a huge uh, inspiration for my life. So, um, and, and that kind of has been a, a going joke it's like oh you're gonna be like bruce you're gonna have <laughs> a multitude of degrees and and that's okay so it's, it's funny for, funny we say that he's actually taking an exam today for his to become doctor 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 right yeah <laughs> doctor <laughs> times two Reverend doctor doctor uh, yeah i appreciate him because that's that's one aspect i just don't think i um, i'm interested in at this point in my life uh is, is you know going into a PhD program or doctoral program, anything like that. But man, um, you know, if you're spending time with with Bruce, he's a genius and and has a uh, so much wit to him and, and knowledge and stuff like that. So had a huge impact on my life for sure. Yeah, right. and you were in his youth group in high school, right? Right, right. So um, I was 19 and I had been at Buffalo for uh, seven years prior to that, uh, since I was 12 years old. Um, so there's been many people who had influence in my life uh, over that period of time. Brenda Clark, a mm-hmm. lovely oh, yeah. woman, a fantastic, godly woman. She's like a mom to me. Um, grew up with her son, Jake Caleb, who y'all le- recently had on the show. Yeah. Like a brother to me. And um, But on from there, Bruce came in about the time I was 19, and, and my now wife, and at that time with my girlfriend, uh, Savannah, uh, she was 17, and he came to be the youth pastor here and I had already known Bruce as a child he played baseball with my older brothers um, so I knew of him remembered him from that time but he uh, he just seemed especially with me took me under his wing um, wasn't really that much older than me I think he was 23 he was young himself straight out of college uh, he was teaching at York High School at that time and um, he just very relational. That was the one thing that always stood out to me. And um, because at the time, when I was 19, I wouldn't proclaim or profess to be a believer, although I went to church for seven years prior to that and <clears throat> had went down and said a prayer and, and done all those kind of things that I thought was the right thing to do. But when he, he came into my life and um, began to build time, invest that time through Scripture, and uh, it became, uh, you know, realized to me that I, I had not repented and you know become redeemed and, and all those kind of things so I I just kind of uh, I did that and I was baptized and, and then he continued to invest in my life and he still does today even though we don't get to see each other that often he uh, we run into each other I think our wives are like oh my god here we go because this is gonna be a <laughs> this is gonna be a long conversation um, but I, I so much appreciate yeah uh, all that he's you know where I'm at today is because of people like him um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think one huge thing that kind of has to do with everybody's life is you can't just rely on yourself. You got to, number one, rely on God. And, you know, yes. I mean, it's the biggest factor. But at the same time, you got to have some sort of inspiration to help you. That's right. And just to have people like that in your life really can set off. I mean, obviously, to see how successful you are with everything you're doing is just really just to have kind of those influences. In your in your life to just do better is really just right. a huge thing. Yeah, and he, you know, it, it, it wasn't one of those things with Bruce where it was like, oh, hey Jeff, come to this Bible study or, um, you know, come and do this service project or any of those kind of things. So, what he did was very strategic and and uh, instrumental in my life was 
just spent time with me. Mm -hmm. um, and it was that thing of inviting people over uh, to be a part of your family ultimately. That was before Sarah and, you know, all you guys came along. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I remember spending numerous nights, uh, you know, with your mom and dad at their house and spending the night. And, and then it became, you know, about the scriptures and we started studying the scripture together and just started investing me in that way. And so it never was this, this big push of, of shoving his faith down my throat. It was more of instrumental of, you know, uh, of relational value there and, uh, and just developing a love for one another. And then also, um, on from that, it became more of a, a, a spiritual brotherhood and bond. Um, that's the way I look at it. So, and then obviously after that, seeing him go to seminary and he, I think he went to Liberty at first before, uh, Southeastern. And so I kind of, you know, followed suit with that. Um, so it, he's just been instrumental in my life in that way. So, mm -hmm. and, then, yeah. and then watch his kids. Sarah was born during that time and now she's in college and, Clemson. Yeah, yeah, Clemson, uh, go Tigers. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, I, it's just been great to watch y'all's family grow and and just to continue to see him minister at the same church for so long. Um, yeah, and, that's a And go through so much. So, yeah, he's um, been valuable in my life. Then. Wow. Yeah, and definitely, I feel like you know you see, I feel like the best way to kind of lead people to Christ is to not preach to them for as much as you can, you know, because at the end of the day, showing showing love to somebody is kind of the best way to win them over, and right. in my opinion, anyway, if you, you know, say you're trying to, you know, be friends with this person, and, you know, they're just, you two weren't on the best of terms, just showing love to them is, I think, a really good way for you to start getting along, yeah. so I guess when you kind of put that in into perspective, when you're just loving and kind to somebody, and just allowing them to be friends with you, and just hanging out just showing the love of Christ yeah. is one of the best ways to show Christ without actually having to say right. you know preach and that kind of stuff because right. I know there's a lot of people feel like my myself who's not really good when it comes to you know talking to people about the scripture and you know how to preach but when it comes to I feel like I can be really good at being a good person and at the end of the day that's really what it's about in my opinion okay. Definitely. yeah I agree and you know, there's a place and a time for preaching, right, and a, and a time for proclaiming uh, the gospel. Um, but it makes me think of uh, the church in Thessalonica and, and Paul's letter to them, the first one. And he's commended them on their faith, but right after he puts, it, puts that, he says, end your labor of love. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, there's this intertwining of the two, uh, of faith and love being together. Um, you can't have one without the other. And... So for me, that was what that was about. It was this idea of, of Bruce and Sonya laboring in love towards their youth. It wasn't just me, but it had a tremendous impact. And what we see, you look at Josh Batchelor, uh, someone who has a tremendous impact on youth still today. He's a coach, just doing great work. Um, and I can go on and name off the list of people that was in that youth group who were, who were doing great things uh, for the Lord in different ways. Um, but it... You know, at some point along the road, Bruce still, uh, you know, proclaimed the gospel to me. Uh, so uh, it, it is an important factor, but the relational aspect does have to, a lot of times, be there. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't have to show somebody you love them, 
they're not willing probably to listen to what else you have to say and, and he done that well and, and Sonia did too so um, both your mom and dad deserve it yeah and I, credit remember, for that. I remember them saying uh, to me a couple of weeks ago that it was almost kind of like the door was always open it, you know, everybody yeah. was kind of it was almost like people filtering in and out you know like which I think that's awesome that's see that's the thing you know when you get people to kind of come in your home and spend time with them it really just becomes so much easier just to yeah be yourself and talk about God around them yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct we it was it was very much like a family it wasn't this feeling of oh I gotta go to church tonight it was more like excitement I'm gonna go see my family tonight and that's what church really is even yeah. in the scriptures that was the understanding of what church was was here is a, a group of people who identify um, under Christ and, and they're all of one accord because of Jesus and, and their family um, so that's how I took it when you know um, as a part of my faith and my journey as far as it goes was um, it was always an open door um, it always this mentality of of coming and going different people um, but just that willingness and I always wanted to mirror that in my life I don't think I have done as good a job um, but just uh, again uh, I, I would encourage you know you guys to, to be like that too just just be open to people relational um, invite them into your life and then ultimately, you you got to get them to to gospel to the gospel message. Yeah, yeah. sure, definitely. You know, something we were talking about. <clears throat> you know, two weeks ago we had Trey Gladley on. We were just talking to him uh, yeah. about some different things. And one thing, this is this is something I've been thinking. That was two weeks ago. This is something I'm still thinking about. We were talking about. Uh, we actually kind of got you know deep into some maybe I guess the deeper aspect of like apologetics and things like sure. that. Yeah. But one thing that we both agreed on was that any time that you, whether it be in just kind of a casual setting when you're wanting to you know, talk to somebody about what they believe, or even in a more formal setting, when you're actually, you know, debating with someone. Anytime you're talking to, especially a non-believer, whether it be someone of another faith or an atheist, whenever you ask them about that, I think a lot of times we become so uh, focused on maybe winning the argument. That's right. Or maybe, you know, I guess looking cool or looking correct. But I feel like anytime that happens, I think, and I think that those people who do this, but I feel like uh, a better way to do it would be if we almost look at it as if we are ministering to them in that moment, right. even though that you're on opposite sides. Right. And I, I don't think whether it be, you know, uh, take any, you know, theologian or any, you know, uh, atheist intellectual that may be, you know, debating on a platform, whether it be at a university or whatever, it doesn't necessarily, from the Christian's perspective, it should ultimately come from a place of love and wanting to almost like a little mission trip in a way. Like, I know that's not how we think about it, but that could be. Right, right. It has to ultimately come from a place of love. And I feel like I feel like an argument can be, and I feel like when you're kind of a debate, and I guess kind of like you were saying, just ministering to somebody can turn when they kind of, I guess you could say, get mad or insult you or whatever. It can turn into instead of you trying to show the love of Christ to you insulting what they believe, and ultimately, I feel like putting kind of a bad name on Christians at that point in time because I thought there's a lot of a lot of people and a lot of atheists that have a bad perspective of what Christians are and right. what kind of people they are. Like because like you were saying earlier, like we've kind of been talking about this whole podcast about how pushing your faith down their throat and not showing the love and not just being yourself, kind of showing the love and being kind and then pushing your faith down their throat to get them because you can scare somebody into prayer. Right, yeah, sure. But, you know, when 
at that point in time when there's nobody around, when they're not having stuff pushed on them, they're just, you know, back to their old self, you know. So we can easily just deter somebody away from God. That's right. By just being mean yeah. and by reacting instead of responding, which right. is something that me and Kevin have been talking about a lot lately. Yeah. Reacting instead of responding because right. when you react to something, it's it's an instinct, especially when, when you know, you're mad at somebody or something. You just you come out and you spit these awful words at them. You're, you're mean to them, but when you think about it for a second, you think, how could this affect their life? And it's a more of a response that you got to have with your life. Right, so, you know, think about it this way. Um, you'll probably know the popular passage read at most weddings, right? First Corinthians 13, everybody starts at verse 4, but they miss the first three verses before that. Context is everything, right? So yeah. I hope, you know, that y'all been taught that, that we don't Definitely. just nitpick scriptures out and, and pull. Yeah. And, you know, Paul is obviously, yeah, given a very... Uh, defined idea of what love is but he talks about before that the spiritual gifts that are given um, even faith which is you know given to us those things are like it's like a clanging symbol Paul says so you think about you know this clanging symbols and how annoying and, and loud and obnoxious it kind of is if you don't have love that is what it's like so you know that's that's like people can you know, front faith all they want to, and and you could walk around your your high schools or your workplace or where it may be, uh, just in life, and you can say, I'm a Christian. Um, I hold to the faith of the Christian tradition, but if you don't have a love, Paul said it's like a clanging symbol, and it's really James was going to say, is it truly a genuine faith? Um, because love and works go together with your faith. Not that it makes your faith, not that it makes you justified before God, but what it does, it reveals the the true nature of your heart that it has been changed. So that to me is, um, you know, what is significant when it comes to loving other people, especially when we profess to be Christians. And if we're going to deal in the context of debate with worldviews, is treating people with respect and dignity, seeing them you know, in the Imagio day, in the sense of idea that this person was made in the image of God, um, and I'm going to love them even though I may not agree with them, um, may not agree with their lifestyle, may not agree with their politics, may not agree with their their worldview altogether. Um, I'm going to still treat them with the respect that they deserve. I'm going to love them, and we can have a a conversation um, and. It could even be a debate, but it would be out of respect and love. And I think that's missing uh, a lot today. I listen to a lot of debates. And I listen to even Christians debating Christians. And I'm like, seems like a lack of humility in a lot of the discussions I hear. So, Definitely. What would you say, and again, you know, we do, I, like, that's one thing that, you know, we, we do, uh, I guess you would say, in culture that, you know, we are about, you know, exchanging ideas with other people who are different from us and, and I mean I think it's okay to debate and, but it's like it just so with your background in theology and your degree obviously you've you know studied this for a long time what would you say when uh, debating someone who isn't a Christian what would you say would be the greatest piece of evidence for the truth of scripture oh wow the greatest piece of evidence for the truth of scripture uh, for me I would say um 
is the validity of Scripture itself. So Scripture is always going to validate Scripture. Um, and, and the idea there is that, you know, you take Luke, for example, and, and Luke writes this um, in, in Luke and in Acts, uh, especially that Luke did not just... Luke was Greek, by the way. He was not Jewish like some of the other apostles. He was, he was a Gentile believer. So when Luke is writing this account of the gospel of Christ, and then he's writing in Acts, he is writing under the basis that he has went out and investigated what these truths are or what has been told to him. So it's not like he's just accepting this idea of the Christian faith and what people have told him, even the apostles. What he's going out and doing, he's actually interviewing people. Um, and we know by the scriptures, basically by Luke, that 500 people eyewitnessed the account of Jesus and seeing him. So it's a historical event. This is not just something that a couple of people uh, in Jesus' group said that they saw and, and experienced. This is well over hundreds of people who saw with their own eyes a historical event happening. So what ends up happening is that you have New Testament writers validating what the Old Testament is already said to be true. So for me, one of the big things is I believe that the validity of Scripture and the fact that historically um, the majority of things in Scripture to this point, and I think going forward, will be proved to be true, um, even from a historical standpoint, as, as people do archaeological digs or you know, whatever it may be. Um, obviously, you know, there's a worldview out there that's going to try to deny that. Um, but you know that's going to that's going to become where you have to um, form your own basis of um, apologetics, so to say. Uh, how do you approach someone um, from a classical or presuppositional standpoint of apologetics? And I don't get into all that today, but as far as it, it goes, um, I just think there's just a lot of validity historically uh, from sure. that standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Now, what would you say with your position in local government? Obviously, now this sounds be a little bit different because I would say there's definitely a presence of the church in the community. Mm-hmm. But how would you say that you kind of tie that into your job? So, one, I'm not perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, th- this idea of, of sanctification comes to mind when you're you're working anywhere. It doesn't matter. It was in healthcare too. It's it's in what I'm doing right. Now, as far as uh, the assistant town administrator at Blacksburg and the clerk, um, is God is always working on us in this process of sanctification. He's always working to make us more in the image of his son, even through our shortfalls, um, because it makes us, in our weakness, we have to rely upon him. But with that being said, uh, you know, and through that process, I just want to say that my ultimate desire is in the decisions that I make as an individual, um, I want to glorify God in the most highest way. So in, in my actions, in my words, in the way I go about you know, handling business and those kind of things. So, and that's the reason like, you take, for instance, um, when you look at how you spend dollars, I'm over our restricted accounts in the town. Uh, so I hold those. So you think about hospitality, victims assistance, and all these different accounts that I hold to, a lot of times when I'm thinking about how do we 
benefit society with his, with his money, like going to the children's home. Okay, well, let's give back this amount of money to the children's home to help those kids because I know the children's home is a nonprofit Christian organization that's going to ultimately be a blessing back to those children. So in my mind, it's a way for me to, you know, kind of a proxy in a sense to, to help with the mission of what the children's home is trying to accomplish and do. And so wow. the Lord has allowed me, you know, with, with some of the things that I'm doing with the opportunity to be able to do that. Um, but also just in the way I try to hold myself and present myself and, and, and by my walk, um, I, I want, you know, my peers and my colleagues to, to know where I stand. It's, it's not in some gray area of, oh, I'm going to use my faith when it's beneficial to me, like you see a lot of politicians do, Definitely. and then I'm going to leave it behind when it's not. It's black and white for me. It's, um, you know, my goal is always to glorify God in everything I do and to live life uh, in, in that mannerism, in that way of loving others. And is it perfect? No, not, not always. Do I get frustrated? Do I get angry, upset? Just like any human being, yes, of course. Um, but again, it's, it's just using my position to be able to demonstrate uh, who God is. Wow, that's awesome. Daniel, you got it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, one thing, and just if we can kind of segue into this, I don't know the Google list, but a lot of times that you and I are talking will be at Wi-Fi, of course. Sure. Yeah. But, I remember, well, this might have been a few months yeah. ago, actually, but I remember you, you, you were saying something about your wife, and about how old were you all when you first started dating? Oh, uh, yeah, so she was 13 and I was 15. And y'all got me, like, and, like, here y'all, that was... Well, yeah, yeah, wow. so, uh, and that's a blessing, so... Because <laughs> that, that, I remember the first time I was like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, um, you know, it's not something you see too often in this day and time. And, and not at all. It's kind of crazy. Jen and Josh share the same short story uh, in a lot of ways. But um, with us, and that was kind of the neat part of our, our youth group back in that time, is there were some kind of couples in there. But um, so, you know, at first we were just like any 15 and 13 year old. We didn't know what we wanted we were just dating um we weren't what i would define as christians um by any stretch of imagination so um but with that being the case um the lord just was working there and it's so crazy i know this is going to seem so weird we're, there used to be a gentleman named art allen who came here and he he had a daughter and um and you see this prettier lady in your life and you're like Man, I would like to have a, a wife with that pretty one day. And uh, I remember just kind of in a weird way, just praying like, oh, Lord, just give me a wife like that one day. This, um, and I remember Savannah was started coming to church with me, and Art saw her, and he's like, she looks a lot like my daughter. And I was like, that's a funny way of, of God just kind of revealing himself, and wow. even in the simplest ways. And I know that seems strange, but... But I think he's, you know, that's, that's the kind of God we serve, that he, he listens even to the most minute of, of prayers, and we don't think he does, but he does, and, and he's, he's kind of this humorous God, but at the same time, he's, he's a God that cares and is concerned about us, and so he blessed me with a, at a young age where I didn't have to go through what a lot of teenagers go through, this whole, you know, this whole dating and going through the waves of breakups and all that kind of stuff. And, and we had our issues early on, but 
by the time I was 17, she was 15, we were pretty locked in together in stride. And from that point on, we've been to each other's hip. And, you know, we have two beautiful kids now that are in the sixth grade and and in the third grade. And, um, and just, he's blessed me so much. And she's such a strong helper to me and in a lot of ways. And she does so much, you know, wives do so many more things than they get credit for, right? I'm talking about, uh, I know Daniel would appreciate this, you know, all that his mom does, but just, just what, as a mother and as a, as a wife that she's capable of doing, I understand now in Genesis why God says man needs a helper, and, and we definitely do. Um, so she's she's been a huge blessing, and uh, and I think that's possible still today. I think that it's, it's plausible to, you know, you'll you'll hear the world tell you, no, don't don't give up your your younger years, your youth, uh, your young adult years to find that person to establish your career you know find your life get married later in life and I'm not saying that that can't be the case but I think it's so looked down upon today that that a lot of people miss opportunities of where they could you know like me where I could you know find the love of my life and I have and, and the Lord's blessed me in that way wow. yeah and shout out to all the moms actually yeah. on that topic it's crazy your mom really is just such a good helper in my life as you were saying and and obviously in your life it's of course our ride to the church and yeah. when we do the podcast every day um our ride to wise fire um any day we've went out to lunch numerous times yeah. went out just hanging out or whatever and she's definitely taken an interest in like us and i guess seen the i guess potential she's she's always been my biggest support on anything yeah, that absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, absolutely we were just saying uh wednesday night she's just always team us yeah it's kind of a thing and on the other note, my mom is just, Definitely. it's crazy because I never gave her enough credit for having five children and yeah. keeping us all, you know, supporting us all and keeping the house up, you know, at that time. That's right. It's it's honestly a struggle with, you know, five, one in college, one a senior, one in eight, one in third, and another in first grade or sure. kindergarten. I'm trying yeah. to think of one, but <laughs> I don't know. Having two little ones. Yeah. to take care of because at this moment in time they can't really stay at home by themselves they can't this kind of stuff you got me who's kind of in the middle but I can't, I can't stay home by myself so it's I try not to be too much of a hassle and David he can drive at this point oh yeah and yeah. Sarah's kind of her own it's crazy to watch Sarah grow up it's yeah. she's her own adult now yeah so and I can remember as a kid just kind of watching me and her really didn't have the best relationship as a kid but now kind of as we've both matured and yeah sure it's it's definitely different but we definitely don't give our yeah. mom enough credit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Savannah, just even now, we, we were talking about this today, just looking at moms, and she named yours, uh, you know, she named Sonia, just talking about, I don't, I don't know how moms do it who have, you know, five and six kids. And, and not in a bad way, it's just like, yeah. man, Lord, you know, how did it, the Lord just gives so much grace in that way, though, to be able to, I think, handle those situations and circumstances and, and just you know, good godly parents who are, you know appreciate um, and, and invest in their kids, uh, just like you guys who believe and and y'all y'all nailed it like number one fan. And that's how I am. That's how I know Savannah is with our kids. We're their number one fan. We want to see the best for them in life. I, d- I don't know a parent who doesn't. <laughs> right, right. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. But you know, but yeah. So, um, but that's where that's uh, you know and. I, hope to be married to her for 40 50 more years uh and 
until the Lord takes us both home. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And as you were saying, you know, I feel like I've never heard of a mom who isn't content and happy with the amount of kids they have. Yeah, that's right. But it's I, I feel like my mom definitely wanted five kids and wanted a big family. And yeah. I feel like people who only have one to two kids or whatever, they're content and they that's what they wanted with their life. Right, right. That's, that's I feel like the Lord really, that's something that's really not talked about <clears> enough. I feel like the Lord is really generous and yeah. really just on point when it comes to kind of children and family. That's just... Yeah, you know, he's decreed these things and he's purposed them. So uh, they, they come about to, to his will and for his glory. So, he, um, you know, talking about Sarah earlier, she had a chance to, from afar, most of my life, just to see her grow up. And one thing she always reminds me of is my age, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> How long have um, you, um, just a quick question, how long have you and Savannah been married? We've been married 16 years and we've been together 23. So we're going on our 17th wow. year. What's yeah. your piece of, what would be your best piece of relationship advice? Um, I, th- I think my best piece as a believer now, I would say to pray. Um, mm-hmm. Pray for your future spouse. Um, and also pray if that's the Lord's will. Because I think there's, there's this you know, thing in our culture today when especially um, among the older population, they come up to you, and you'll probably experience this as you grow older. They're like, when are you going to get married? Well, you know, that that's kind of a, a bad precedent to set from a scriptural standpoint because not everybody's called to be married. Um, and, and Paul actually talks about the blessing of those who are not married and called to be single. So, one, I want to make sure I'm clear with that, that not everybody is called to be married, and, and some people are called to be single for the purpose of whatever God's mission for their life may be. Uh, with that being said, with marriage, the most important thing is, uh, I would tell you guys, is definitely to be praying for your spouse. And, and then as that comes about, when God places that person in your life, um, the question then becomes, do I see this person as a potential partner, like a spouse? Um, or is this just for a good time? Is this just to have somebody... And I understand kind of dating to kind of get that feel if that's the case, but I think there's a lot of that that goes on that people know that they're never going to, nothing's going to come to fruition out of the relationship. And it's just purely, a lot of times, uh, it could be sexually related, it could be whatever it may be, emotionally support. Um, But my thing is, I think uh, from a standpoint of a relationship, even early on, you should be able to nail down is like, do I see myself spending the rest of my life with this person? If not, then I need to go ahead and and move away and continue to wait for the Lord to bring the right person. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's... yeah, I just remember when you when you told me that, that just should have stuck out to me. That's that's awesome. That, that really was great. So I've always known you and Savannah have been together since high school but I didn't know up a, well I did know but it reminded me that you and Savannah have been together 13 and 15 yeah so uh, back in the day Blacksburg's high school was uh, 7th grade you started matter of fact she was the last class to come in that you had 7th through 12th grade at the high school um, I, I even I even think of that you know even small details like that are are things that the Lord intends and purposes for reasons and, you know, not just my situation, but there's many others. Um, so you, 
you know, after her grade, then it went to eighth grade and then ninth grade, and now the high school is pretty much ninth grade campus and tenth through the twelfth grade. So, um, I think you know that. But going back, we never really necessarily started in middle school as we would have maybe. But the Lord put us in the same school, uh, opportunity to get to know each other. And you know, there's a picture actually that circulates uh, that we have of I'm five and she's three. Um, and that went actually on our wedding cake and all this other stuff uh, because I, her her dad coached football. My brother played on his team, so we were the court bearers of that year. And so we were holding the crowns and all that stuff, and I'm sitting there looking at her like, you know, who's this strange little girl standing beside me? So so I've known her family and of her for a long time, but uh, the Lord brought us back around, and I always heard dating. So it's a neat story to be able to share. But that's really nice. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Thankful to the Lord for the blessing yeah. of my life. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's crazy that that kind of happened. That's it, it is. That could be a movie. That's, that's, that's one of those times I could say that could be a movie. Yeah, I'm waiting for Hallmark to send me their you know <laughs> the script. <laughs> <laughs> However, it would kind of change to the point where you know she hates you at one point in time and you're in love with her and then it flip flops and then y'all get together and then. You know, you end up hating each other for you know a little bit of a gap, and you know it's yeah kind of an up and down roller coaster. Because that's how all of them are. You you talking about marriage was? Uh, no, that's how Hallmark. all movies are. Oh, Hallmark. Yeah. That's okay. My bad. I'm sorry. Are. I I, yeah. I don't ever watch them. Like, so. <laughs> gave me a look like. I don't know if you're right, but. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. If, if they gave you a script, that's, how, that's how it would that's go. How every in that case. movie goes. I got you. They, they yeah. always don't like each other at first, and then by that, oh, how convenient. Right. Right. And she would. She would end up getting married to a guy and then have, you know, obviously your two kids and then end up, you know, I don't really like him anymore. Right, right. And then they find the true meaning of Christmas. That's the true meaning of Christmas. Jeff, what would you say is like, you know, because I've known you a decent amount of time now, I feel like, but what would you say in just seeing, you know, us, I think I knew of you, this was way before we started doing the podcast, but just I guess through blues and your kids but to now to see you know what we're heading in and you know I've been very you know clear with you on you know what, what my intentions are for life and you know Daniel so what would you say would be your piece of advice to us not whether it be for the podcast whether it be for life in general clear just what would you say would be your advice that we always like to ask our guests that yeah no I appreciate that question so um you know I you guys know what catechisms are? Yes. Okay, yeah. very good. So, um, so the first one says, you know, what is the chief end of all man? Y'all know what the answer to that one is? Uh, we talked about this in Sunday school last week. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's the question. That, you know, I always want to bring that up to, to my own kids, to, to just people I'm teaching, and, and to you guys. So, it's to enjoy God and to glorify Him forever. So, you know, you're going to have to figure out what, what does that look like in your life? What does that look like when you're playing golf, uh, when you're homeschooling, when you're trying to figure out uh, your future career, when you go off to college? Um, same true for you, you know, whether it's in the politics. You know, what does that look like, especially from a Christian standpoint? Because, you know, I say it's difficult to be a Christian in politics because there's just that, you know, there's so many temptations there, I think, for people. I'm not saying it's po- not possible because I think there's some good ones out there. But 
I think moving forward, you, you have to ask yourself that question. In, in what way is this glorifying God and also bringing me the greatest joy in Him possible, right? So um, if you can do that and you can find that in your life, then you're, you're going to be good. That doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. But there's this term in Scripture, right, joy. Mm-hmm. And joy... I love it. Right, joy is not a, a measure of one's emotional state in the sense of... You know, happiness is fleeting, right? So we're happy one minute, and the next minute we're maybe sad again. Joy is this idea of being content despite whatever situation you're in, which goes back to the idea because you understand that you're glorifying God and you're enjoying Him forever um, in, in whatever you do. Uh, so that would be my advice as you go into your careers, as you proceed forward in this, when you do... You know, you're, you're taking upon this podcast. I love the fact that you guys do it. I don't know anybody else here in town that does. Uh, y'all's opportunity to allow me to come on and speak, and other people. I've had the chance to listen to, you know, various people um, uh, on y'all's podcast, your show here, and and just listen to, you know, where do they stand? What do they believe? Um, you know, I didn't know. You know, being a brother like Jay Caleb, as close as we are, I was telling him this. I said, until I listened to that podcast, I didn't know how you came about your slogan and, and everything uh, as far as how you came about your marketing and all those other things that you came up with. And so it didn't taught me so much in that way, but I just want to make sure you guys and, and everything you do, that's, that's what you're looking at. Because if you start looking to something else, um, you'll start putting your trust in that something else and it will only, I promise, let you down. Like if, you, if you're hoping that, that golf will will bring you the greatest amount of joy in life it never will um you'll enjoy it but you'll enjoy it most when you're enjoying god most in your life and the same is true and and if you go politics and any other endeavor you enjoy podcasting the future all those kind of things um that would be my greatest advice to you yeah i think that's one thing is that you know i've already said before you'll be most happy when god's happy Mm. with like what you're doing which i mean i mean I think definitely has some validity to it. But I also think, you know, whatever you're doing, I think if you are glorifying God and you're doing what it's in God's will for you to do, That's right. I think, I don't think you'll fail accomplishing God's will, per se. Like, you may not, like, I mean, if you feel a call to ministry, it doesn't mean you're always going to be successful in ministry, but That's that right. means that you will always be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, to, you know, if you're trying, you know, for something else that's not in God's will, then there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, it does. One thing I would probably challenge you on is just thinking in terms of is there anything really outside of God's will, though, that, that happens or takes place? Um, because, you know, I would say in His sovereignty that it's, it's impossible for anything to be outside of His decree uh, or what He st- has stated would take place. So, with that being the case, uh, you know, I, talking about success and failures the Lord allows those things to, to happen um, in our life and for partial reasons one I believe humility because mm-hmm. um, when we start to do stuff extremely well and things start to go really well we have a tendency to look back at ourselves and say look at what I've done rather than say you know well no look at what is what Christ has done um, so you know I, if you talk to myself or even Bruce we tell you ministry has never been perfect in our lives. I'm talking about there's always ups and downs and, and times of turmoil and, and 
probably more than than you see more of that than you do successes. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think it makes this, the successes all the more sweeter uh, yeah. when you do enjoy them um, and you see those things come because you know everything that you've been through and, and everything that um, that God has, has brought you through to bring you to that moment. Um, so, because uh, I definitely am in ministry, most people that would look at my life, they'd be like, well, he's tried to plant a church here and here and he failed. But I don't look at those things. I look at as opportunities. Y'all may not know this. I moved to Colorado for like a year. So, yeah, so it's been a year out there. Um, was with the intention of planting a church. That never came to fruition. But what it did teach me was, um, and we've done a really good job of, is how to love our neighbors because none of our neighbors around us were were believers. So we started to invite them over for dinner, get to know them, have these huge, like, uh, you know, night soup nights, as we call them, and people would come over and, and eat soup with us. And um, so we, we really began to get to know our block that way. Um, and, you know, other opportunities, we moved back here and, and through another chance to try to plan it just learning how to deal with people you're planning with and, and what God given me more wisdom in discerning uh, who, who do you plant with, why do you plant, um, those kind of things. So there's been a lot of humility, you know, to that aspect of sanctification, just teaching me of, uh, of the type of person that I need to be. So when we started going to our church now where we've been about four years, it's, it was um, one of those things I'm just leaving all my baggage behind. I'm coming in with a clean slate. I have no intention of doing anything, of teaching. Uh, you know, this sounds bad of serving even. I just want to go in and submit myself to the leadership of, of this church and to the church. And um, just over time, God began to grow me out of that as far as to, you know, to repurpose my, my life and my vision. And I, I've always said, even to my pastor now, and, and the elder has like, I'm not trying to force anything in my life. I just want my life to be whatever God wants it. So if you guys feel internally, if there's an external call and there's an internal call, like in this case of being an elder at that church, um, and they confirmed that. So I, I kind of let all that come to be. I didn't go in and say, oh, I've... I've taught this many years. I've done this, you know, like almost like a resume. And here, like, here's all of my things I've done for my church or my past previous churches. I literally just went in and uh, with no intent of trying to do anything. And, wow. and God has just used that to bring opportunities to me rather than me try to bring, you know, force opportunities on myself. So been a blessing it's great you know you talk about humility you know that's something that i've been you know talking a lot about lately i had a you know this is off the air this is just a private conversation i had with daniel a couple days ago um i feel like sometimes maybe god and correct me if you feel like i'm wrong but this is just in like the past week i've been thinking about maybe god never lets us because like i had this thing like where i was always close to just like everything being what i felt like was like what I wanted it to be. Mm. Like, almost it. Like, never quite 100% right. perfect. And I was always very frustrated with it because, because you know, something that's always been very important to me, I'd say the last year or two maybe, would be just, you know, trying to live the best life that I could even at my age. But, 
you know, and I think about different things, like I'm, I'm very satisfied, you know, with how I'm doing school, you know, different things like that, whether it be, you know, and, you know, I love spending time with people, whether it be, you know, my friends or whatever, and definitely the podcast has been a blessing that I've been working on a lot, and whether it be things I'm doing in the community, or, you know, hobbies, what have you, or, you know, I have a good girlfriend that, you know, has meant a lot to me, but, like, I always felt like I was on, like, the brink of everything being perfect, Right. But I never got that way, and I was always very frustrated about that. And I kind of had this revelation, maybe God doesn't quite let that happen so that we still feel like we need him and to keep that's us true. humble. Does that, I just figured that out, though. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. I'm talking about that. <laughs> I and, just and, figured and, that and, out. Oh, that's okay. You know, I'm talking about, you guys are young, man. I'm talking about, you know, I, I wish I would have figured that out when I was, I can't remember how old. I'm 14. 14. I'll be 15 wow. in July. Okay, uh, so 14 and you're? 13. 13, okay. 14 uh, in June. All right, so man, y'all were y'all were so far ahead of where I ever was at at thirteen and fourteen. I wasn't thinking about podcasts. I wasn't thinking about my uh, my faith. I wasn't thinking about you know any of those things. I, I had other things in mind. Um, I played sports. Um, you know, I had a girlfriend. I, there, my mind just was everywhere else other than uh, where y'all's is. And I, I appreciate the fact that you you seem like. Uh, young adults who really want to, you know, live out your faith um, and, and do so in such an intentional way of when, you know, whatever you, God brings your way. And you're right, you're never going to be satisfied in those things because those things can never bring you satisfaction, like wow. full yeah. satisfaction. It, it just can't. It, it's impossible. That's the reason it doesn't matter if you look at Hollywood actors, pro sports, um, anybody like that. Those people never can seem to be satisfied. Do you ever follow that trend with them? Yeah. You, know, you ever wonder why drug abuse and suicide rates yeah. and all that kind of stuff is? And it doesn't matter. And that could be for the normal person who's seeking to get, you know, that career ladder. Uh, and they think, oh, when I get to this position, I'm going to be where I want to be. No matter where I go in government, I don't think that's going to ever truly satisfy me. Like, I'm never going to be like, oh, that's it. That's the moment. And I feel complete and whole and it's for that very reason you mentioned it's because God is always going to leave that gap of making sure that we understand that it's only in him and him alone that our satisfaction is secure that's very humbling though it it will and it'll continue to humble you throughout your life Uh, the the big thing is just that you remember it when when those moments arise and you're you're frustrated in life you're like why why now that I do this I'm not content in it and that goes back to that joy factor of being happy in something and you're happy because you made you know you got into this school and then four years later you're you know you're happy because you graduated from that school and you hold that diploma and degree for a moment in time you're taking pictures smiles and then the next day you're kind of like what now and and the whole thing is well what sustains us well it's the eternal God it's the he's the one that brings us the joy, that goes back to joy, where it's a constant contentment in him and not something that's wavy, you know, like our happiness, our emotions, all those kind of things are. Yeah. We can be joyful in the Lord even in our saddest. That's yeah. why he brings about tribulation and suffering, things like that. You know, uh, David understood this, right? King David, the psalmist as well, he understood this idea that even in, in the lowest of times, um, my contentment is in the, in the joy of the Lord. So... Um, I don't know. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's something I just love hearing because that's something joy. That's what that's what I've, I've always considered myself a very joyful person. But 
and I've had people ask me like if whether it be you know something bad happened or you know I'm just going through a tough time I've had people ask me how and it's like it's not necessarily I think I had to figure out that joy isn't going to come from anything out here it's going to come from what's in here and what God is doing right right and I think if that you're able not only to be not able you're, you're able to be content in that but you also I feel like you're able to produce more joy for others and just in your life you'll be able to just kind of have a more subtle piece about that right, right. Yeah, definitely. so let me let me ask you y'all a question then that's okay yes of course right. we love that <laughs> alright so if joy is of the utmost importance and in that joy is knowing God what is your daily practice or discipline in, in doing that wow so you would be like from a spiritual standpoint what would, it, would be your daily practice I would say everything spiritual but yeah just what are what are your disciplines what are your practices to know God more okay so that's and this is something I talked about last week and I'm not here to judge you I'm oh, just no, asking no, no, no. questions no. well now you actually picked a good week to ask that I'm glad you didn't ask that three weeks ago but um, <laughs> no now I kind of went well I went through about um, this is actually pretty sad but I went through about a month and a half of my life where I just I don't know why I just caught, I guess, caught up in other things and why I didn't quite see the importance of God still. I almost felt like I didn't really keep, mm-hmm. I, I've never, I mean, I got saved when I was five. Okay. So I never really had that right. moment ever. So it was kind of new to me and it kind of blew my mind a little bit, but I just felt the way I was just, I, I was, I was, it was almost like I was okay with not being okay with God. And that was a very, very bad thing. So I guess I'm just life circumstances happened and I guess I kind of had to come back around and truly realize and this was because you know people were praying for me I think but I think it was I think I just had to come back around and realize the importance of so many different things in life Uh, the importance of your actions the importance of your faith so um, what I'm doing now is you know I I read my Bible and I have a Bible study I do in the morning Mm -hmm. I pray after and I do the same before I go to bed but they're two different studies but uh, one thing I do would just be I'm trying to one thing I've always loved is prayer and I think when I was 12 years old is when I started like like I would like pray I kind of like pray throughout the day right now just like under my breath sometimes yeah, just yeah. like almost in constant conversation yeah. with God and nothing has made my yeah. faith stronger mm-hmm. than that I believe yeah, that's right yeah I mean I feel like I would be at I guess as far as my faith goes I'd say the strongest it's ever been Right, and you know, because I just see what God can do. I see when you have God on your side, it makes that you can get through anything. Nothing could be better than that. If it's, if He's the God of the universe, if He's the Creator of anything, if He's on your side, and He loves you, and He's waiting for you, He already loves us. I feel like, and, it, and it's just I don't know why it's so hard, but other than you know life, I guess. But for some people to kind of crack open and and see that. But I feel like once you say that, it's the most beautiful thing. So I would say that, and I would say just continuing to have my mind on, I guess, uh, what God, what 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 God would have me to do, and just trying to live. You know, you can't be exactly like Jesus, but just try to you know love people, and just kind of have. A, I'd say discipline would be the thing. I would say having discipline. Okay. Yeah. And um. That was rambling. I'm sorry. No, you're yeah. good. You're good. I- and I'm gonna, um, I don't think the second, but, um, and I'm gonna have to cut it off for a second and we can yeah, finish we'll it up. Yeah, wrap up anyway if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, I have, um, I try to have kind of the same prayer every morning, which is, um, keep God on the, almost my forehead. 
right. okay. in front of my brain, which is something I heard um, last year. I think it was at, uh, either Impact or Jerusalem Project. Sure. David mm-hmm. Tony was preaching. And um, and just uh, he preached, and it was a great, it was a great sermon, but um, a great message. But he said, keep God on the forefront of your brain. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to have that throughout my day, you know, when, when I'm sitting down. And I know I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do. I I kind of feel God on the front of my brain saying, "Hey, don't don't do that." You know, right. kind of. I Camden's kind of referred to it a couple times as having somebody on each shoulder. You know, the the you know the devil on this shoulder and you know angel mm. on that shoulder. Yeah. And I'll try to just keep that on the front of my brain. And I'll I'll, for me, it doesn't take a lot for me to go. I, God spoke to me there, and right. I I shouldn't have done that, and I need to fix it. Right. But I, I really just, I'll, I'll sit down at my desk um, through the day. A lot of times it's at night, though. And a lot of, I told my mom this. She said that I was wrong for it. But I I read my Bible at night. Okay. I don't do it in the morning. She she loves to wake up and get her day started off right. But for me, there's nothing better than at night opening my Bible, looking at it. Because I'll stare at it for at least two minutes right. before I open it and just think, and as soon as I I don't even open it yet, I just pray, Lord, let me get something from this. Right. And like Cam was saying, there's like three weeks, like around the same time actually, I was just not reading, yeah. not praying, and nothing was good though. Actually, that was the thing. It wasn't like anything was good in my life, but it took a little bit for me to notice that. Right. So it was it was almost like in in the book I'm reading now, Screw Tape Letters. Yeah, sure. Um, cool book. It's it's a great book. My favorite. Yeah. It's I feel like. C.S. Lewis is really showing screw tape is telling Marvel let your patient just do nothing you know it's there's one line in the book and I might be paraphrasing a little bit let him stare at a wall for all night and do nothing waste them as much time as he can and it was crazy because I read that and I realized that's what I've been doing for like the most past couple weeks it's been me just staring at a wall and me just staring at my bible and me finding something else to do other than pick up my bible Um, because I, for me personally, I feel like that book is 100% accurate to how things actually are. I feel like my, whoever, my wormwood in this scenario is getting me to do that. Yeah. So it really just takes me to keep God on the front of my brain. Me to pick up my Bible and just read. It's spending time with God. Because even if I don't get to read my Bible that day, say spend the night at a friend's house or something, for me to have God on the front of my brain, and me when I lay down to go to bed, pray, God, just help Thank you for ha- thank you God for yeah. having for helping me have a great day. Thank you God for allowing me to wake up this morning. Lord, please just help me have a good sleep. Just yeah. thanking yeah. God and spending exactly time right. with God is just the most important thing to me. Okay. That was that was me because I was not just that you have to realize that all that everything comes from God. Mm-hmm. you have to realize just how blessed you are. Because that was my problem. I think I did get caught up in pride a little bit in those few weeks. And that's the thing, just like he said, everything was not going good for me. I felt like everything was going good for me. And I think that might have been, like, I felt like, almost like as if it was because of me. And I was like, wait a second, no, God. The Bible mm. says, you know, throughout Scripture, that anything good comes from God. Right, that's right, yeah. You know, and um, I feel like it's when you realize that, that things, that, that you will feel better about, just mentally you'll feel better. You know, it's like, you know, taste and see the Lord is good, happy of those to take refuge in Him. That's, my, that's one of my favorite that's right. Bible verses. yeah. And definitely, and you know what I've read, you know, like I just finished, uh, I, I read Screw Tape Labels this fall, actually. That was, that's my, I love C.S. Lewis. Yeah. 
I, I finished Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan yeah, last night. Great book. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just certain things like that that are opening my eyes and showing me where I need improvement. And I don't know, I've felt God, you know, my whole life I've felt God speak to me. I've known that God's had a plan for me. And I don't know, it's just important just from a mental aspect to stay focused on that. Yeah, yeah. thank y'all. Well, I'll say this last part and then yeah. uh, turn it back over to you. So uh, a lot of the disciplines you were talking about, like being in the Word, but, you know, being in it in such a way where it's not out of legalism, like it's not out of this obligation, like, oh, I need to check mark this off my box for the day to please God, but more so, you know, First Peter writes, and he, he's talking to the churches in, um, in Asia there, and he's saying that you love God and you haven't even seen him. Um, talking about like the apostles have seen Christ. These people had not seen Christ. And then he goes on to tell them down below, um, be, be holy for God is holy. So he's, he's mimicking the words of Moses back in the Old Testament. And it helped me to see like, why, how do we be holy? Like, what does it mean to be holy? And this whole idea comes to me from, well, we're holy because we understand what God has done for us through his son Christ. And we love him that's what drives our holiness, not because we're obligated or we, we feel like, oh, we got to do X, Y, and Z to be holy. So here's my challenge to you guys as you study God's word, as you pray, do it out of love, not obligation back to God for what he has done for you. Um, because in that, that that is what ultimately um, will, because as you get to know him better in his word, and you get to know him better in prayer, it's going to constantly be this cycle of loving God more, loving God more, loving God more, and knowing him more intimately and personally yeah. in such a way. And talking about books, I love C.S. Lewis, um, you know, John Bunyan, all, all these guys, great writers of, of the past. And um, so when you, you think about reading, y'all like biographies? Yes. I would tell I you do. to I read... There's one on George Mueller, and he was, um, he was in England back in the uh, 19th century. I think around the 1820s through the on through like 1870. But read his biography; it's fantastic on prayer and how God provides. Um, uh, he ended up becoming a, uh, he's a he was a minister, but also he ended up just becoming a a person and his wife who built multiple homes for foster children in England uh, throughout it and and how he he would not have anything and wondering where the next day's bread for the kids were going to come and he would pray and and um, this cart would break down outside of his uh, outside of his homes with bread all on them um, so it, it's just this idea that God listens and he answers our prayers um, but knowing him intimately through prayer and and through his word so I would encourage y'all to uh, pick up that biography uh, on him if you enjoy definitely. reading. It's, it's, it's a good I love read. biographies. I love nonfiction biographies. That's yeah. definitely my favorite. Yeah. And his faith will encourage you to pray more. And um, and that's the other thing I'll say is, as brothers, y'all too, iron sharpens iron. So don't just let your faith be an individual faith. We're called to be a church, a community. And then also find you a, a older person that can mentor you and strengthen your faith as well. Uh, and teach you the scriptures because you know there are interpretive aspects of scripture you, you have to figure out you know what does this mean uh, what is God saying here or the writer saying here uh, through through God those kind of things so 
Those are some ideas thank I would encourage you on. But thank you guys. Definitely. We yeah. appreciate having you. And it's all just awesome talking to you. We really appreciate your thank time you. and thank your you. investment. Um, just thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for y'all's time. Thank you for being, like I said, you young adults who are out and, and doing what y'all are doing and for the podcast and for inviting me on. So I look forward to maybe coming back in the future one of these days. So yeah, we'll see. Great. We'll see when. Um, thank you again um, for going on. I guess you could kind of, one could say a milestone, episode 35. Um, oh, wow, it is. Yeah, episode 35. Uh, kind of a little bit of a milestone mm-hmm. there. But yeah. um, again, thank you to Wildfire Cafe, uh, 113 North Shelby Street. Visit uh, wildfirecafe.com. See, you know, their menu and stuff. Uh, you got many books, Definitely. pastries, coffee, books. Awesome place. Um, thank also, you to Anchor FM. Yeah. Uh, couldn't make it easier to do a podcast. Yeah, and also uh, thanks to our friends at the Sweet Peach Boutique on Floyd Baker Boulevard. Uh, you can check out their website at sweetpeachboutiquesc.com. And also uh, our new sponsor, uh, Stop to Shine. Uh, this is going to be our first announcement. Next week we'll have like a full promo for them, but uh, definitely check out. Uh, they do pressure washing and uh, on your houses and just uh, washing things of that nature you can check them out on facebook and next week we'll have a full promo for them as well but yeah and thank you again yeah, thank, yeah, you, thank you guys and, uh, absolutely we'll talk anytime all right